Hello everyone, welcome to the Venture Capitalist Podcast, podcast that aims to inspire and educate the next generation through inspiring stories from successful people in entrepreneurship, finance, and politics. Today we have with us Sharir Afshar, a multi-talented innovator and entrepreneur with a passion for activism and philanthropy. With a background in real estate, project management, and telecom, he's now making waves as the founder of Evergy.com, investing in sustainable e-mobility infrastructure. He is also a political activist, community leader, and startup mentor, working to advance global issues and promote social justice. So, to begin with, how are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me, uh, guys. This is a real pleasure. I really love seeing kind of the youth bringing on, you know, the the youth uh, generation, uh, creating value, sharing information. I didn't have any of this stuff when I was your age, right? I mean, the only mentorship I could get is who I knew personally to help right. me. The fact that you have this platform and you're hoping to extend it and share it with your community, I think is wonderful. Yeah, it's great because we, we get to, um, in our day and age, we get to, to speak to people on the internet really easily and we get to educate uh, the youth and to give out value so much easier than like back in the day. So it's it's really nice to have you here and to be able to- uh, Exactly, yeah. Uh, Thank you uh, again for having it. Sure, no, happy to do it, happy to do it. Yeah, so um, we're gonna start with our first question. So uh, I wanted to know, you know, you, you, you've had all these different experiences and it, when you start off, it's hard to be motivated. So I wanted to know, how, how do you stay motivated in your work? And you know, what advice do you have for young people looking to find their own source of motivation and inspiration today? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I don't remember if I was always motivated, you know, uh, when I was younger. Sometimes when you get older, you begin to realize you're mortal and you have a certain number of days, weeks, months left. Um, uh, and also, you be, you know, you're responsible for a family. You know, if that isn't a motivation, I really don't know what is. You're not, you know, you're not, personally, I'm not just responsible for myself, all right? I don't think when I was younger, I was thinking, oh, I just want to get richer and I want to get powerful just for me. Yeah. It was always, I always felt, especially as an immigrant, someone that came from Iran mm -hmm. uh, when I was 10 years old, been here 44 years, I've always felt a sense of duty to my community in yeah. any which way I could find it. So that's my motivation. It wasn't really hard as an immigrant. I think a lot of immigrants feel that way. They come from somewhere else. They didn't come all this way to fail. Yeah, right. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's different, like different values. And I feel like when you have uh, the duty to like when you give yourself the duty to protect your family and to uh, protect all these people and to provide for all these people that you have in your life, I feel like that instantly like it, it clicks in your head. You have to work. You have to like mm -hmm. do these things sure. and you have to um, you have to, to, to get up in the ranks and to eventually be able to provide and to care for the people that you will care about in your life. Right. No, it's a very yeah. natural progression, evolution. Like I said, when I was 19, 20, I don't know if I had that on my, I was trying to find my way in the world. I was trying to find what is it that gets me, you know, really motivated and excited and yeah. public service at its core uh, has always been a great motivator for me uh, because whether you're a person of faith or you, you're not, you, you want to help others. I yeah. think that's a natural human instinct. So I just kind of fed that instinct as much as I could. I went into public service for 25 years. Uh, as you mentioned, activism and mentorship at every level I could. Even when I wasn't on solid ground, it was motivating for me to help others. Like exactly. That, yeah. me excited mm -hmm. to help. that got me regenerated. Uh, it's tiring. It's like all the things you just mentioned and all my what I've done, it's exhausting. I'm tired all the time, but 
I'm also energized by my efforts. I don't know if I always succeed, but my efforts to be a public servant in any which way I can. So with all of that, um, I wanted to ask you, like, I know you've done a lot of work, like you said, and um, what is your proudest achievement in your career? Like, what is, you know, the thing that you're the most proud of? You're probably proud of a lot of things, but what is like the one that is, you know, a little bit above, you know, a couple of your uh, things that you've done? You know, I was, you know, I was lucky to throw myself or, or whether it's have the courage or the aptitude or the luck, I, I don't know what you call it, but you know, I threw myself in a lot of different fields, whether I have ADHD or I just couldn't concentrate on one thing. I threw myself in a lot of different fields. So when you ask, what is it? My, what's my most proudest achievement? You know, in every field, it was different. In, in public service, when I worked for government for 25 years, just helping people was a proud achievement. You don't have to see it on the news. You don't have to, you know, do a video about it. Nobody has to know. But that was the essence of public service to me, just helping people even when nobody knew about it. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's important too, you know, helping people and stuff. And I feel like it's really great because, you know, people, some people, you know, just want to like uh, put out there what they've done and stuff, but they don't, you know, they you've helped a lot of people. And I feel like that's one thing that is, you know, really awesome of you for you know helping a lot of people. So, so someone helped me once. So I always felt apart from, coming from somewhere else, I always felt like I owed it to somebody else. But I'll tell you, you know, helping others, um, uh, like I said, just kept motivating me to do more. Uh, It was rewarding. And I've always felt if no one knew about it, that was the best form of public service, right? Mm -hmm. If no one really knew about it, if you're making nowadays, if I do share it with social media and elsewhere, it's only to motivate others. So mm-hmm. I did something like I did for during COVID. I put out a, a a food bank barrel in front of my house, and I collected food every weekend from my neighbors for a year, and that led to about uh, two tons of food, fresh food, being donated to the local food wow. bank here, Damn. and a hundred thousand dollars being raised by a neighbor that just came to my driveway and told me if I can find. Fifty thousand dollars in matching funds. They'll donate fifty thousand. Wow. Oh, wow, okay. Just so, dumb luck. <laughs> and, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's one of the best ways to to go about motivating others, inspiring others. It's it's not to get the attention from other people, but it's really to do the, the action. And if you are able to use that to motivate others, then yeah, put it on social media, put it on uh, ever that you can to. Sure. I feel like that's an, an amazing yeah. way of going about things because you know a lot of like a lot of influencers on social on social media like they'll try and influence others but their primary their primary goal is to get views and to get attention so they can monetize off of mm-hmm. that yeah. and I feel like that's not a really just and pure way of seeing things and helping others so yeah. It's, 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 it's yeah it can be misleading you know yeah. when you look at that and of course we're all impacted by social media and and the money and and all the 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 falsehoods that are presented as a redeeming quality of course uh mm-hmm. but but like i said i think if you if you have that internal motivation that the best you can do in life whether your life ends at 20 or 40 or 60 or 100 uh, is to serve others, is to help others. Could be in your church, in your synagogue, in your mosque. It doesn't matter. It could be with 
uh, working with local government as a public servant. And you could still, and you know, when I, when you say entrepreneur, you know, I'm a social entrepreneur, right. you know, I'm only interested in, in social entrepreneurship. There were lots of other things I could have done and anybody could do that is just pure, what they call serial entrepreneurs. They go make company and they have an exit. They sell it for a bazillion dollars and, yeah. and, and, and they talk about, which, which is something to be proud of. They talk about their exit. Mm-hmm. And, which is in economic terms, that is wonderful. You, you created value. You made something out of nothing. You made lots of people money. Good for you. But mm-hmm. social entrepreneurship is, is, doesn't work that way. It's about helping others and finding socially impactful things that you're passionate about because that will sustain you no matter what happens to the money. That yeah. is rewarding, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and also, like, I feel like social entrepreneurship is, is more towards philanthropy. That's kind of the whole idea. It's like, it's towards that. And I feel like something that's genuine about what you have done is that you have succeeded and you have provided value to other people in so many different aspects and so many different companies that I feel like that's more valuable to provide as one person than let's say you succeeded in one company really well. You've you've like done all these things in all these different companies. And I feel like that's really remarkable. But I will say, you know, one thing you learn also when you're young or old, success is a journey, not a destination. Right. Right. So um, you want to do your best for as many people as you can for as long as you can in as many yeah. different fields as you can. So I mentioned the food bank thing because that grew out of watching my fellow citizens here in San Diego yeah. in food lines. Yeah. And you watch that. And you, again, as an immigrant, someone that grew up somewhere else, someone that knows what third world hardships are like, mm-hmm. to see people in food lines was an infuriating, insulting thing to me as a human being. How could mm-hmm. this happen in my community? Yeah. So yeah. that next weekend, I just went to the local food bank and said, give me a red barrel. You've seen those red barrels in this. I don't know if they have it in Canada, but, but this is what you have. In, and you, you go to hotel lobbies, banks, uh, Ralph's, Vaughn's, whatever, and you see these red barrels. I was raising more donations from my red barrel in my driveway than Ralph's and Vaughn's because, but, but I think it's just, I don't have a secret sauce at all. Everything that I've done was right under my nose Mm -hmm. was right around me. I mean, I watched Mm -hmm. that events unfold during COVID. I'm sure you've heard about food insecurity. That's when I got, uh, my son's autistic. I am involved in various autism causes. That's how I got into autism mentorship and helping startups. I was a public servant for 25 years serving others is a natural thing for me before I think mm-hmm. about what do I, what do I get out of it? I'm yeah. thinking, you know, and an entrepreneur would think about a pure entrepreneur would think about how do I carve out a niche, make sure nobody else gets in it and then sell that for a lot of money. That's yeah. A, yeah. Right. That's a, God bless them. That's good for you. Don't ever, I don't want anyone to think I'm against, entrepreneurship. <laughs> but social entrepreneurship is thinking about how can I really help the most people? Yeah. If it happens to make money and if it's economic sustainable, great. That that is sustainable. Because all this good stuff doesn't mean anything if it's not economically sustainable. Yeah. You can't yeah. like like you know, like they all say, you know, give a man a fish, teach him how to fish. If you can't find um, sustainability in the model that you created from a social entrepreneurship, then you kind of failed. You have to find ways that it can replenish yeah. itself Completely and most weird. importantly, can survive without you. You know, this one one thing that I wanted to get across to, to, 
to the next generation. If you build a model or a success strategy that is only around um, your unique personality, <laughs> that doesn't work. You could yeah. get hit by a bus tomorrow. You could move on. Your life could change. Who knows? Any number of things could happen. And now all that hard work that you just mentioned, success, goes out the window because you built a process just around you, which just does not doesn't work. Yeah, and I feel like um, we've told earlier, like you helped you helped a lot of people, and I feel like it it really does matter because at one point, like I know money and business and stuff, it's different. But like you said, social people helping people around you is just always good and you you know like you said you can get back but i feel like giving more is really important in our days and a lot of people suffer because they don't have enough and i feel like us young people want to have like some of them want um well personally i want to help those and i feel like when i hear you talking about this i feel like yeah everybody can do it just even for a small part of it but you still help people is amazing nobody's got it figured out. I don't know if, the, you know, I talk to a lot of, you know, gray haired men and women, my age or older. And sometimes when they're doing something, they haven't got it figured out. They just know it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So for example, my involvement with another food pantry called Murphy's produce with purpose. Uh, the guy is, the guy is Jimmy Murphy. He's a very, very nice, sweet guy. And when I first met him, he said, all I want to do is feed people. He didn't have a business plan. There isn't a five-year strategic plan. There isn't, you know, a, a giant group of influential board of advisors. It's just one guy that mm. happens to know something about, in this case, fresh produce. He's got connections with wholesale produce folks all over Southern California. And he knows how to get top quality fresh produce, but he didn't know how to get it in the hands of people that need it. Mm -hmm. So our partnership, I didn't figure everything out. I just had a passion and a desire for food insecurity during COVID, still do, uh, was, oh, you know, if you partner with this other guy, you can now get this these food distributions happening, not leftover food that, that restaurants and, and the department stores throw away, top tier fresh produce. And the reason that's kind of interesting is a good niche and I want to encourage people to think about a niche, and I'll explain what a niche means to me in a minute, uh, is that uh, most people get leftovers, not the good stuff. Yeah. Which, and and what, what, you're, what you're doing is you create, especially with the socioeconomic disadvantaged families around us in our communities, they're constantly given or prone to eat bad food, unhealthy food, McDonald's, you know, whatever. I mean... The, carbs, sugars, those things last longer on the shelf. So even when people donate food, they're donating those bad foods, the, the cans and stuff. But fresh produce has a much shorter shelf life. So it's much tougher to deliver that fresh produce in the hands of families that need it. Transportation is an issue. Timing is an issue. Uh, all kinds of issues. But I'm just to sum up, you know, by partnering with Jimmy and partnering with local community groups, again, we didn't figure everything out. We just kind of knocked on enough doors until somebody said, hey, that, I could use that. We partnered with YMCAs. So the YMCAs in, in the US, they know their community better than Jimmy and I do. Mm -hmm. So we started uh, last year doing this once a month food distribution with YMCAs in our local community. They do the marketing. Jimmy brings the, the pallets full of fresh produce. 
I organize the logistics and whatever I need to do to make the connections and off you go. So partnerships, uh, collaborations, and then let me get to the niche part. Uh, you asked about motivation earlier, but I'll just finish about what is it that really creates value? Where there is a gap, there's a niche. Where there's a gap in information and in services and products and delivery and in, in satisfaction, that is where a niche can be created by a social entrepreneur. Yeah, I completely agree. And I feel like the something that I've noticed is that when people genuinely want to help others, like Jimmy, for example, like I feel like those are the people that truly get really successful because they're not thinking about money. They're thinking about the value and the impact they can have on the world and the people around them. And I feel like that's when you learn that when, when that's what you want to do for others, you can't really give up because it's an objective you set for yourself and it's a duty you give yourself to do that thing. And from there, it's like you said, you know, you market, you, uh, you, you do all these things to reach out to different people, different companies. And from there, you expand on what you really want to do. So I feel and, like, yeah. And, and you are doing what you, what, I mean, like they say, if you are doing what you love, you never have to work a day in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so if you're doing what you love, suddenly all these things will, be, I mean, just explode around you. Like this YMCA connection, I just happened to be involved in a piece of property next to the YMCA. So knocking on the YMCA door was a natural thing. It was right in front of me. I couldn't miss it. It's a giant building. <laughs> so uh, if you're doing something, you know, whatever interest or passion you have, chances are your strategic partners are right around you. And then reaching out to them and partnering with them opens up all kinds of possibilities. You're filling a, a gap for them. And by doing that, you're creating your niche and you're creating value just by that strategic partnership. Do not think you have to think of everything yourself. You do not have to do everything yourself. All you have to do is have the passion, the drive to take one little step and then partner with people, like-minded people. And do you need to have like leadership, you know, how to, you know, leader people and just like, like, I want to know, like, what is the most like important leadership lesson you've learned? Like, do we need leadership to, you know, get like, uh, like, uh, you know, food pantries going and stuff like this? Or can we just like go out there, try our best and, you know, maybe do it? Because I feel like with what you said, you have a lot of like leadership and I feel like you're, you know, you got to people connected with people and stuff. And I feel like that takes leadership to do that you know it's interesting i never thought of it that way i never i never um thought about another way of, of not uh taking not taking charge but taking an issue and moving it forward you know uh i didn't think of myself as a leader nowadays uh, again i really think of myself as a servant leader you know uh, a lot of people like to be in charge for the sake of being in charge yeah i have no such desire I don't want to see if you forget my name, if I don't want my name under the door, on the statue, on the wall, nothing. Mm -hmm. Forget my name. I'm not, I'm not important. But servant leadership is about really serving the cause and the communities you, that, that you believe in. And it is a, a deeply rooted service that comes out by virtue of your actions and your deeds as leadership to the community, right? But mm -hmm. you're really the driver behind it. But I will tell you, I didn't know who I was, I guess, until I was, uh, I remember a teenage uh, 
uh, I was in high school and we had an economics class and uh, we made some, some made up company and the, the teacher said, okay, everyone put down their name. Who wants to be president, vice president, secretary, blah, 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 blah. So I just assumed every, all the other 40 kids in class wanted to be president. I never assumed somebody wanted to be vice president mm -hmm. or some other role. I don't remember. So I put down president and turns out it was me and the captain of the cheerleading squad. <laughs> as, the, as the only two people that put down president. So then we had to have a debate. I go, holy cow. I, and I didn't realize I had a, just a debilitating fear of public speaking until I stepped up to that podium. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that about myself. I didn't know I had a yearning to lead. I didn't know I was afraid to speak about it. So all those things came crashing forward. I didn't win the election. They were very kind. I think I got, I don't know what I got, but the point is, um, uh, I think at a young age, as you begin to look in the mirror and see who you are as a person, there are some things that come naturally to you, but some things you should lean into, even if it doesn't come naturally. Don't take the easy way out. Don't take the shortcut. If something's, mm -hmm. if, if in my case, public speaking, lean into it. Practice mm -hmm. in front of a mirror. Get, get all the, the vanity out of you. Oh, I don't like the way my face looks, or I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too short, I'm too tall. Get all that out of the way. People don't care. Mm -hmm. People care about what you have to say. That's what really important at any age. Don't get caught up with the vanity that sometimes is sold on us or to us in, in social media and in the public realm. Think about who you are as a person and your authenticity is your greatest single asset. You know, and the younger you know that, the, the better off you'll be. Don't wait till you're 50 and then you figure it out. Lean into those, what we used to say, lean into discomfort. If it's comfortable, you're probably in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. yeah. if, if, if you're a little uncomfortable and you just lean into it a little bit, that's where your growth is happening. And I feel like nowadays with social media, I feel like a lot of people just think, oh, big followers, well, he's nice, he's this and that. But I feel like a lot of people now, like, you don't need to have like millions of followers or millions of this, millions of that to know that you're a good guy and just doing the right thing. Because you can have, like you said, like food pantries and not have any followers or not even know their name that they're doing this and stuff. But yeah. you know that they're a good person. And that's the most important thing. Not to have followers or anything else. No. It's just being a good no. person. Social media, I think, I think, unfortunately, as much of a value it has in information and entertainment and what have you, um, it, it doesn't quite always um, embrace and celebrate and protect good people, mm -hmm. just good people. And you could be good people alone in, with your family or alone in a room. You don't need to, you know, the followers yeah. are, those are uh, external artificial metrics. Yeah, so, so, so you're saying that personal relations and personal value between people is more important than meaningless attention on the internet? <laughs> I, I'm sure other people, much smarter people than I have said it, but I'll say it again. Uh, and also how you treat, as, again, as other people have said it, how you treat uh, the, the doorman to the CEO. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if your ego walks in the room before you, it's probably something wrong. You know, um, you, you, and again, I, I've 
I've had a lifetime of those experiences. I am 100% sure I, I've made mistakes and I've, but that's how you learn. Mm -hmm. Nobody mm -hmm. gets it right. And, and, of course. And, and I think having the courage to make mistakes and having the confidence, I know that's a tough, big word, the confidence to ask for feedback, that's a really important uh, path to be in, self-growth path to be in. Humility. Humility. I mean, just, I mean, you can be a, a humble person and still be confident. Don't be afraid to be confident, mm -hmm. right? I think some people feel like, of just humility goes with you know shyness and insecurity and all kinds of other feelings and then then you begin to justify why you never tried mm -hmm. oh i'm humble i'm I'm shy you know what so am i <laughs> i'm a, but but you you begin to think you know what i'm passionate about this future iran and american issues autism food pantry public service i'm going to do something about it i don't know if i'll make a dent but I'm going to try. And if I fail, mm -hmm. I fail. But definitely, especially, you know, you guys are young when you get grayer. Um, if you're lucky enough to, as we say, get older and live to a ripe old age, you don't want to look back and say, you know what? I wish I would have tried. Mm -hmm. Fail. No one says, I, I, I regret trying and failing. No one said that. They said, you know what? I wish I, you know, that you don't want to be with that regret. That's when you whether you die at 20 and sorry, I'm, I don't mean morbid. I have a very, I'm very conscious about life and mortality. Nobody owes you the rest of your life. Of course. Nobody uh, says, you know what, you're going to live to be a hundred and you're going to, you know, be, you know, uh, uh, you know, be super fit. No, you got accidents happening and, and life threatening issues happening to you and your family. So live every day as if it's your last and make mm -hmm. those choices as if, you mm -hmm. can stand by it when you're older. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's really, and you, know, you you spoke about failure and all that, and I feel like what once you start off with uh, your journey to finding your path and doing what is best for you and providing value for others, I feel like the beginning is when it's hard, but once you get to the level where you have a maintenance of you know different companies and different aspects of life that you're succeeding in, I feel like at that point it's hard to maintain. A balance and it's hard to like um to balance like just everything you have so a question for i have for you is like how do you balance you know your government your business and you know for your philanthropy your philanthropy work and what can young people learn from your approach to managing multiple roles uh, and responsibilities you know it's hard um i don't know i think i've talked with many professionals in my life and sometimes we say you know what the live work balance is a myth it doesn't exist Sometimes you choose one over the other, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you choose a family over success or you choose work. Or, but I, I, I think, it, you know, the pursuit of it is real. Uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Uh, and by that, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're able to find that elusive balance. Um, one way you do that is you make choices. For example, as many different philanthropic causes that I strongly believe in, I've had to say no to several. You know, I, I've talked to several nonprofits that wanted me on their advisory board. I just couldn't do it. I, there's mm -hmm. not enough of me to go around. Of course. You know, and, and we begin to create as a family, little pass around your, your activities and say, you know what? Like no phones or no activity after 6 p.m. 
let's just wind down and just unplug and yeah. be with family. Or on weekends, let's spend some quality time together instead of going to a business event and having your kid with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not yeah. live work balance. That is cheating. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you've worked with a lot of people. Um, and I had a question like, what is, you know, the, um, the qualities that they possess and that you liked about them? Like when is, what is the best quality or like couple qualities that most of the people that you work with and you enjoyed working with them? Like, I don't know, a passion and stuff like what is the like best quality that someone can have to be working with you? You know, it, it's not a, a secret. Nothing is a, a, as good as a sense of humor. Like any, any relationship, you know, whether you're president or you're, you're the doorman, you know, a sense of humor will carry you a long way. And I've always seemed to kind of connect with people that have a sense of humor. We seem to be able to solve problems together. Uh, work didn't seem like work. Now, whatever problems we're facing, as long as we both kept our sense of humor, it seemed like we were uh, more helpful to people. And especially when, uh, certainly when stress happens and difficulties and setbacks happen, which absolutely they will, to be able to look at it with a smile and just, you know, get up and dust yourself off and keep going. Uh, that's how you can uh, maintain. Anybody can win once or twice. Not everybody can sustain a winning uh, journey, right? Yeah. A successful journey. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah, you can go, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I completely agree. No, nobody can, you know, do all these things at once and nobody can uh, look at something and think that they'll succeed the first time. And I think that uh, it, it's really good that, uh, like, you know, humor, for example, I feel like the relationship you have with your business partners and your friends is super important. And if you don't get along with them and you're not in a position where you can laugh with them, you can, you know, go have a drink with them. You can like really be close to them in a way where you don't have to feel like you can't be transparent with them. I feel like that's one of the best things that you can have straight off the bat when you start working with someone. And I feel like that's what is going to start uh, skyrocketing your progress together and the things that you do. And I com I completely agree with that, yeah. You know, I, I quote a lot of religious leaders. I'm not terribly religious, but I will say, I don't know if it was the Pope that said it or somebody else, but uh, someone of high religious authority said, profit alone mm -hmm. is not enough to enter into business. So yeah. don't worry about the number. Find, you know, what you're passionate about because look, even... Uh, Mark Zuckerberg is sitting there coding sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you know, so yeah. uh, find something you're passionate about, something that you could do if nobody else was watching and, and it drives you and it makes you, you know, feel good and, and strong and you feel definitely you're having a social impact. And whatever the number is at the end of the day is the number. Maybe mm -hmm. you make two bucks, mm -hmm. maybe you make nothing, maybe you make 50 million. It doesn't matter. Uh, if you did what you love doing, that's the definitely the older generation's advice to the younger one. Uh, find that passion, stick with stick, you know, your personal relationship, your job, career, academic. Um, try a few things. Don't worry about failing. Lots of lots of people fail far more than they succeed. Yeah. You have to just be comfortable with that. Not be comfortable accept failure, but be comfortable with failing, getting up and trying again. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, 
Well, listen, thank you for being uh, on this call with us. We, I think we've extracted a lot of value and a lot of knowledge for uh, the younger generation. And I think uh, this has been really amazing. And again, thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us and to have this conversation on a multitude of different topics and experiences that, you, that you've had. Uh, it was really enjoyable for me to talk to you. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the time that we've had together. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate uh, being invited. I really wish you all great success and whatever I can do for you and your audience, I'm at your service. I love, you know, helping the youth of course, get, yeah. get a leg up uh, professionally. And if there's some connection I can make for you and your audience, I am at your service. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, I hope everybody that is watching enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Have a nice day. Thank everyone. you so much.